back to the mountains and the sea where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we have reached the end of our Sign of the Times coverage. Say it ain't so. I know. It's been a long, long journey. Well, what it is, is it's unacceptable. (laughs) I don't accept it. Well, you don't have a lot of choice, but you do get to pick what's next, which you'll tell me at the end of the episode. That is true. We started covering Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition a few weeks before Super Deluxe Edition came out. Oh, we... Yes? A month before? No, we started... I think it was almost exactly a year ago that we started covering it because it was late June or early July when we talked about the Sign of the Times movie the concert film the concert film yes that came out and then we talked about sheila e mm-hmm. and jill jones mm-hmm. and then we started in on super deluxe you're right we had three episodes on jill jones yeah yeah so that was a month right there yes more than more than yes so we've been covering sign of the times for almost a year I've really drugged you through this thing, haven't I? Well, I mean, we did the deep dive, and it's just fun and amazing, and it's we did. It's not been quite it's, a journey. It's not our fault that the album was double, and there was a film already, and that there was a Jill Jones album, and there was Sheila E, and that the Super Deluxe Edition was seven CDs and a DVD, and. Etc. And that they didn't include Madhouse 8 or Madhouse 16 or the new Morning Club after show. Mm-hmm. All of this is really out of my control. <laughs> Fair. But we're finishing it up today yep. with a protege related artist. Right. One Ta- of the first signed to Paisley Park Records. Yep. Taja Seville. You are correct. And Taja had first appeared on a Prince album on Around the World in a Day, sang Mm -hmm. background vocals. That's right. On The Ladder, I believe. Yes. Yes. That is also what I read. All right. One of the first artists that signed to Paisley Park when it formed in 1985. Mm -hmm. Um, But she mainly worked with Warner Brothers on the album, and Prince's involvement was somewhat minimal. So I would say, at least in my preparation for this here podcast... We've got some touch-and-go coverage of the album. (laughs) That's uh, fair. Especially the parts that uh, did not involve Prince, although you could say, look, it involved him because it was on his label. Yes. You could say that, and we couldn't stop you. (laughs) (laughs) Though we might not talk about everything you might like us to talk about then. That's right. That is right. Taja Seville is from Minneapolis. I did not know that. Yep. She is from Minneapolis, and uh, her birth name was Nancy Richardson. Right. I, I think as far as memorability goes, Taja Seville is unique enough yeah. and a little unusual enough to just be, I don't want to call it weird, but it's an unusual name. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's memorable. It is very memorable. Yeah. Uh, and looks good in the, kind of the handwritten script mm-hmm. font that was used on the album Design. Yes. Nancy. Jeff Katz did some of the photography photography. for. Yes. But the lettering on the album cover was quite nice. Did Mm -hmm. you see the back where uh, there were Mm. uh, song names listed and they were very large but uh, very hand lettered? Oh, cool. And it's really nicely done. Cool. Especially thinking back to 1987 when it could have been, could have gone one of one way, really, which I expected (laughs) to be a little dated, but uh, it looks great. Yeah, Still. you expected a straight arrow to datedness, and it was I you did. were pleasantly surprised. Yes, I was surprised. I was very surprised because I went looking for the shot that was Jeff Katz's, and that's mm-hmm. how I found the back cover artwork where the track listing was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that Nancy Richardson would have made made a great, I don't know, teen crime novelist author name. Oh, like Nancy Drew, but Nancy Richardson? That's right. Okay. Exactly. Oh, fun. She did eventually put out two more albums after this one, but neither with Paisley Park Records. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 1991 and 1997, this is probably her best known album, and it's not really well known. Yeah. But she did have a song chart 
on the dance club charts in 2017. What? It's called Little Diva. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Was that in conjunction with a sponsor of some kind? I have no idea. Uh, okay. I'll have to look that up and maybe we can post it on social media. Sure, which you can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, or you can send us an email, podcast at gmail.com. Other cool and more recent things that Taja Seville did was found a nonprofit in 2005 Urban Farming, which yes. I'd actually heard of before. It's really cool. It is really cool. Their website is awful. Um, <laughs> their mission is excellent. Yes. Um, their mission, which I went and found, was to create an abundant, or is, because it's still not was, it is, is. Yeah, it continues. Uh, yes. yes. To create an abundance of food for people in need by supporting and encouraging the establishment of gardens on unused land and space while increasing diversity raising awareness for health and wellness, and inspiring and educating youth, adults, and seniors to create an economically sustainable system to uplift communities around the globe. Yeah. And it started with just three gardens uh, that offered free food in the city of Detroit, and now there are nearly 64,000 gardens in 61 countries around the world that are part of the nonprofit. Mm Mm-hmm. It's actually 65,500. Oh. So it's more than you thought even. Well, it wasn't what I thought. That's just what I read, but it was okay. a dated source. Okay. Yes. So it's still growing, you'd say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's great. It's all about not just food, but community development. And it's really great. And Prince supported this when he yes. learned that she had started this nonprofit. He donated to it. Yes. That is probably the cool, oh, spoiler alert, I guess, skip the next 15 <laughs> seconds if you don't want to have it spoiled, but that was probably the most impressive thing that I read or heard preparing for this podcast, Aww. I would say, was the nonprofit and um, how it's grown and the fact that Prince got involved again, too. Yeah. That was very, very, very cool. Yeah, I thought it was neat, and that's such a nice way to uh, support her. Yeah. Somebody he had a relationship with, though I guess it wasn't a, like a super close relationship, but yeah, you know, really great. Uh, Chico Bennett mm-hmm. worked on this album with Taja. Um, he's another musician, writer, producer whom Prince had noticed, right? And I guess kind of suggested that they work together on this mm-hmm. album. Um, he's worked with Madonna, Destiny's Child, Lady Gaga, lots and lots more. Uh, she has also worked with Burt Bacharach and oh. Tom Bell. Those... Who's Tom Bell? Oh, Isn't that an Animal Crossing character? <laughs> <laughs> That's Tom Nook, who gives and takes bells. But yes. And she's also an author. She's written three books. One nonfiction, I believe, about her nonprofit, and two fiction novels. I didn't know that. Yep. She's got a website also that uh-huh. is fairly up to date. It has a blog that she was writing on until looked like the beginning of the pandemic, actually. Mm-hmm. It was like February, March of 2020 was okay. the, her last entries. But there's up-to-date information about her there also. Very cool. Which I'm sure you will post on oh, social yes. media. Absolutely. Also, the album was mastered at Burning Grunman Mastering. Oh, cool. Same gentleman who mastered many of Prince's albums, including Sign of the Times and Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition. Very cool. Yeah. This album was released September 19th, 1987. Did I say that already? I don't think you did. Okay, well, that seems like a good segue into talking about the actual music. It does seem like one. (laughs) So... This whole album, man, it sounded like 1987. You did not really need to announce the release date. All you need to do <laughs> is go and listen, and <laughs> you could bit. have probably guessed September 19th, 1987. <laughs> yes. Which is so crazy to me. I guess I might, maybe I'll attribute it to having listened to this music forever since mm-hmm. it was released, but I find it hard many times to pinpoint a date and sound to Prince's albums. Like, I don't listen to Sign of the Times and think this sounds like 80s music to Uh me. It sounds like 
Timeless music. Almost timeless music, yes. Does Housequake sound like a 1987 song? No. I don't think so. It doesn't sound like the 80s to me. With maybe the exception of his first three albums, I think I could say that about. Mm -hmm. But so many other artists, and including artists that Prince worked with and gave songs to and played instruments on, have... Maybe it was just him, like, saving the experimental sounds for, you know... Himself, his own albums? No, no. Saving the experimental sounds, like, what's hip and what's cool for what he's helping with. Mm -hmm. And keeping more of a baseline for his own work. Huh. Is what I was thinking. I don't know. I I mean, I don't... I mean, you've listened to it not as much as me. And so I just wondered if that was kind of true. Like, do you listen to... Love sexy and think, wow, 80s. Some of it. Really? But yeah, some of it, but not all of it. Hmm. A lot of it is very, has a very more timeless sound to it. Like it could, it felt as fresh listening to it in the 20 teens when we started this podcast as it did listening to it in the 80s. Whereas this sounds like it's from the 80s. It doesn't sound as timeless. As timeless? Or timeless (laughs) at all. Uh, Yeah. 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 I I totally agree. I just wondered how that was a tangent again. But um, yeah, I'd say with the exception of things like getting into hip hop and that kind of stuff and Prince's music, which dates it, I would say easily the first third of his career uh, was a lot of timeless sounds. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. All right. So I did you solid. What did you do for me that was solid? (laughs) The first three singles all had videos. Oh, yes. You know, I saw that and I refused to go watch them because well, I figured you probably would. And you didn't if want you to. Don't know this about me. I don't even like most of Prince's videos. Right. Protege videos. Yeah. I watched them. You're I'll give you a me. brief synopsis so that you didn't have to because I knew you wouldn't watch them and didn't want to watch them. Right. So. Before we get into the songs properly, yeah, I have a little synopsis video. But the first song mm-hmm. on the album yes. that we're going to talk about. Track one. Love is Contagious. It was the first single. Right. Probably the biggest hit. It hit number 62 on the Hot 100 in the U.S. and number 7 in the U.K. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Not because I think that the song is bad. No, I'm just I saying like, like the, the disparity of where it charted, how much more popular it was in the UK than it was in the US. Mm-hmm. That's that's wild. Yeah. It did get a cover in 2006 by Nina. Nina Bolt is a uh, German electronic pop singer. She's based in the UK and she did a cover of it in 2006. Did not know that either. You've done me lots of solids. Mm-hmm. It was written by Taja Seville. Yeah, and she wrote a lot of other music for Warner Records, too, to give her credit as a performer and a songwriter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, The video is a sweet sort of typical 80s themed number. It's got an impressive amount of diversity. There's Mm. people just hanging out, living their life in a little area okay and it's a impressive amount of diversity it's her singing not anything really exciting but there was a totally different video for the uk for the same song oh it must have been drastically more successful it was weirder and sexier ah okay so i would say if you're gonna say i'm gonna take time to watch one of them watch the uk one because there's like two different versions of a video that's crazy yeah she's like on the beach and there's a guy playing piano that's being overtaken by the water and he's all black and white Uh uh-huh like with makeup oh like he's painted white with black features it's weird but kind of cool i'm i'm a little intrigued Uh uh-huh you still won't like it but (laughs) okay (laughs) but there you go there are two versions of videos for the song why Uh, okay great Glad they did it. Yeah. Four minutes and 38 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I found it a little of a strange choice to kick off your debut album with a ballad. Yeah. Or certainly what starts off as a ballad. Yeah. In fact, I'd say it starts off with the kind of 
drum beat and sense that made me feel like there should be a man with a baritone voice saying, Hey girl, <laughs> I've been thinking about you lots, and the more I think about you, the more I hope you're thinking about me. Because I've got, I've got a disease, girl, and it's called love. And I think it's still contagious. <laughs> In Josh's alternate universe, that's what love is contagious is. <laughs> I hope that you will run the beginning of the song underneath me saying this. <laughs> so that it comes to life completely. Uh, yeah, she's an excellent vocalist. I, I agree with you. She is a good vocalist, typically. I thought in a lot of Love is Contagious, she sounded like she was doing a little bit of screaming. Like if I was thinking back to an American Idol judge, I could see the Mm. critique being, it seems like you're pushing it a little too hard. Like hold back a little. I don't know. It seemed like a little screamy in parts and not in a... Good way. Like a, yeah, a a screamy part. Yes, yes. But I do agree. She has a good voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like it was a tad bit abused in parts of this song. Okay. To me. Okay. So but you know what? I and I'm going to have some critiques. But I was 13 when she released this album. Uh-huh. I was picking my own nose and my own zits, and she was recording music with Prince. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, she's the more talented of the two of us. Between her and me, anyway. As far as music goes, your talents are. You know, but if she decides to critique our podcast, then we'll have that too. (laughs) That's fine. That's that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Now I say ballad. It does pick up. Yeah. You know, it starts balladish and then kind of turns into this. Yeah. Sort of mid-tempo thing. Yeah. And once it turns into the mid-tempo thing, there's not a lot of variation in the music until you get to this like. Xylophony synthy yeah. bit in the middle. Yeah, it's fine. Just yeah, sounds like the eighties. It does. Fine. It's catchy enough. I think it would have been better had it been a little bit shorter. Yep. I just found it like I hadn't listened to this in a very, very, very long time. And I forgot that I felt that it was kind of a really weak album opener. Mm-hmm. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not like it's oh. a segue or something that kind of gets you into the music. It's like a first song. Yeah. Know, almost five minutes in length. But it was the first single, so I guess if it, you like the single, you bought the album, then you're happy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wouldn't You Love to Love Me is the second single and second song on the album written by Prince. Right. It was originally recorded in 1976 on a basic cassette. Yep. Then it was re-recorded in 1981 and then again in 1982. Yep. And then worked on further in 1986. Yep. When Michael Jackson offered... All the way around. No, when Michael Jackson wanted to do a duet mm-hmm. uh, okay. with Prince of Bad, yeah. Prince said, no way. Yeah. And this is the song that he gave back to Michael Jackson. I read that it was Quincy Jones who asked Prince for a song for Michael yes. for the album but after, it, after, after Bad was a yes. solid yes. no thank you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but this is no thank you to bad. Here, would you like to record this song? Yeah. And Michael Jackson passed. Yeah. Which I find is funny because that part never really comes up. There's an interview, Who Interviewed Prince, where they asked him about bad and why he didn't want to do it. And Prince said, well, the first line is, your butt is mine. And so I told Michael, you're sure not singing that to me. And I'm sure not singing that to you. So right away, we've got a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. And it sort of started this imaginary beef between Prince and Michael Jackson that I guess 
they both didn't mind the imaginary rivalry. Yes. Um, but it never came back around to, hey, but I offered Michael a song. I wrote a song and offered it to him, and he declined that. And so we were like, okay, well, it's just not going to work out. That's fine. Yeah. Well, that's because I know. the it's, beef was more fun. It's not as gangsta. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. So the video... There's a video. Yeah, right. people in suits, and mm-hmm. she's the singing, easygoing, attractive male lady. Attractive and all these people. male lady? Yeah, she, like male, M-A-I-L. Oh, she's delivering the mail oh, to sorry. people in an office. I didn't get that. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm like, wow, she's, that, she's, did, that took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's a woman delivering the postal mail gotcha. to people in the office and they're all working very hard and okay. um, she gets everybody to lighten up a bit and she finds a sweet lover in a suit and there's some really super 80s, very, very cheesy choreographed dancing. Ah. But it was fine. All right. Thank you for saving me four minutes of my time. Uh-huh. Taja Seville uh, replaced Prince's own vocals with her. So yeah. what you hear on this track, on her album, are uh, Prince's instrumental track, mm-hmm. including Eric Leeds on saxophone. Yes, and he went uncredited on the album. Yeah, and uh, Taja's vocals. Yes. Yeah. And this sounds very 80s, like from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. The drums and the synths and the sax all together yeah. sound very, very 80s. Yes, yeah. I agree. agree i thought that this was a this is when i said to myself yeah i forgot she has a very good voice and mm-hmm. this song i thought was a really good fit for her vocally yes i thought she sounded better here than she did on the opening track and the first single mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i like the uh do you really love me or you do you just want to make some time see i don't really care mm-hmm. that whole like lyric was like I could be in it for a relationship, or I could just have a fling. Yep. Do you and it really feels very, I don't care either way. Uh-huh. I could go either way. Yeah. Whereas sometimes those kinds of lines, when someone other than Prince sings them, they sound either... They're either really charged with, I have a preference, but I'm going to say I don't. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, she really sounds just like, okay, whatever. Because uh-huh. she's the fun, easygoing postal delivery lady in <laughs> the office. Right. Uh, but the mail never stops. <laughs> <laughs> I thought in the chorus at a minute and 11 seconds in the right channel, there's a rhythm guitar going on and it is so uh, signature Prince rhythm guitar playing. But it's typically pretty buried, uh-huh. which Prince liked to do with his guitar playing in the 80s. Um, but it's worth going back and listening to. Another recurring do 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 do. There's some in a minute and 58 seconds, and um, she sings them very, very, very well. I mm-hmm. thought of the natural fit for her. I liked the crash, burn, fire bit. I thought it was really fun. Crash, he loves me. Burn, he loves me not. It's a play on the, you know, picking the petals off the flower. Yes. But a little more adult and a little more intense. Yep. And And I thought it was really fun and it's beautifully sung. Crash, he loves me. It is, and I didn't remember that from the version that was on Originals, the Prince version, having a crash, burn, and fire uh-huh. part to it. Oh, I, I could I could be wrong, but I had to go back and listen to it a second time. When uh-huh. I heard crash, burn, and then I didn't quite get fire. Uh-huh. And then once I did, I was like, oh, well, that's sort of how the, uh, you know, the crush sort of happens, too. You uh-huh. know, crash, burn, and fire. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a little like uh-huh. breathiness in it that's real fun and very Prince-like, right. very 
and I thought this one was a good length at four minutes and three seconds. This one was. Yes. The version on originals like pushes six minutes. And I thought, you know, it's, it's too long. It's a little long, especially for that compilation where we're trying to fit in as many originals as possible. And it does get repetitive uh, towards the end. This one does not do that. Yep. And if you remember, the version on originals was also pretty raw and a little, I think we called it Funkabilly. Mm-hmm. And this one is much more 1980s poppy. Yes. Um, and we'll listen to an even earlier Prince version uh, later in this podcast, too. Yep. Yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. I thought, I mean, yeah, you better make this a single. If it's a song Prince wrote, Michael Jackson turned down. Mm-hmm. And he offers it to you. Yeah. Better take it and make it a single. Make sure it's a single, yeah. Then we have the third song on the album and the third single. But there are no surprises here, man. Nope. Uh, popular. Right. Written by Chico Bennett and Chuck Zwicky. Okay. Uh, the video. There's a, It's an 80s band with video with 80s outfits and 80s effects and people smoking and crimped hair and a very on-the-nose storyline that's... Barely used, but it adds nothing and isn't well filmed. (laughs) Great. Yeah. All right. Like I said, I watched it so you didn't have to. Thank you very much. For this song, I thought starting at about 33 seconds, the guitar and the bass would have me believing this could have been a Prince produced track. Yes. It was that part was so good. Oh, yeah. And even the synthesizers that are there from 39 seconds to 47 seconds, uh-huh. uh, also it's kind of signature print sound. Very 80s, but very fun. Yeah. So I didn't have a beef with this being another single choice. Um Boy, Christy does not agree. Maybe watching the video has sunk you deep into um, not feeling so good. Yeah, it was not about the music at all. It was (laughs) not about her performance at all. Okay. It wasn't even about the not great video. It's really, I don't like these lyrics. Well, at all. You don't like the story of a prostitute who wants material things and has a pimp who only takes 10% of her take every no, night? No, he only gives her 10% of her take. I thought it was he takes 10%. Wait, where's the lyric? You're right. He gives her 10% of her take every night. I guess I listened to it and I was like, oh, since when do pimps only take 10% every night? He sh- she should hang on to that pimp. He's generous. <laughs> yeah, but no. No. Well, I didn't, I didn't love the fact that she was a sex worker who was popular, which yeah. that's, I don't have a problem with sex work, whatever. But street walkers, mm-hmm. they, a, they don't make that much money, so they're not going to be able to buy all the pretty things, especially when their pimp only gives them 10%, yeah. which is ridiculous. And she needs to give love a try. Love is going to save her from the sex work. She needs a man to swoop in and save her. And I just, it's catchy enough. And if you're not paying attention, it's fine. But yeah, nah, I don't like it. You're it's right. It's way fact, too long. The fact that it was also written by a male and sung by a female mm-hmm. is, you know, I think you would call that a little squeaky. Well, with these lyrics, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. The very song we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with a male or female writer and being sung by the other gender. I don't have a problem with that in general, sure. but when you don't take into account who yeah. is going to be singing it. Right. So, but there's these plucky guitars that I think are better than any lyric in the song that yeah. I just loved. We hear it early and then we mm-hmm. you hear it a little louder in the mix at like three minutes and four minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah. No one about 
Koenig. Which brings me to the way, man, this is too long. Yeah, the song is too long, but it's a short song as far as, far as lyrics go. It's got two verses and a whole bunch of choruses. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it is uh, goes on a little too long. It's almost five minutes in length. I yep. assume that the single had an edit. I, yeah, I, I should hope so. Maybe it seemed more like five minutes when you were watching it. And then the fourth song how could you do me so bad the b-side to popular also written crazy like it's like they just lined them up in order of release and b-side uh-huh. and yeah here you go strange yep i don't think that was unusual in the late 80s though to be honest mm. uh it was also written by chico bennett okay and it starts off with this real pretty piano going up and down the scales Her vocalizing is really pretty, but you're really realize this is just going to be a ballad. Yeah, Once I she thought... starts the vocalizing uh-huh. and you're like, oh, this isn't going to go anywhere. Is yeah. That? Yeah. I mean, I read the title and I was like, you think you're going to be in for something close to why you want to treat me so bad? Mm-hmm. Better prepare to be wrong. Yeah, the kick drums, the piano, and the cymbals that kick off the song for the first 30, 33 seconds. And then the song starts, and it doesn't even seem like the two are connected very well. It's no. uh, kind of weird, too. And then then the song does start, and it's a very 80s ballad with the piano and the synths, and it's tender and kind of cheesy. Ugh. But you can tell it's written by a man. I even bought you diamond rings. Yes, I made that note too. Like, like, who, what woman would sing that to a man? Exactly. Gave you just about everything you ever wanted. I even bought you diamond rings. Okay, I mean, were diamond rings the things that men wanted in the 80s? Because I don't remember that. I watched a lot of TV in the 80s. I mean, I could see one diamond ring, maybe. Mm-hmm. But rings, plural? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, honey, you know, how about a NES or something? Yep. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then we get this, a couple spots where we have these really, like, long, sustained notes. toward but she does a great job with them okay and i read somewhere that she was mariah carey before mariah carey with these you know long sustained notes because mariah carey didn't start releasing music until 1989 interesting people were like well if you know the songs were better she'd been promoted better perhaps taja seville could have been a mariah carey type artist I had not read that, and I don't know how to react to that. That's good praise. Yeah. I mean, outside of well, yeah. the missteps that poor Mariah has made in her career. Well, I was going to say, you have to really like Mariah Carey to really appreciate that. Yeah. And it, not a, I mean, I can appreciate her talent, but she's that's not the kind of music I typically By typically, gravitate. you mean ever. Right. Right. I mean, like, I might not change the channel if yeah. it came on the radio. I also didn't like the, why did you leave me, little boy? Yeah. Broke my heart when you left me, little boy. Uh, Seems uh, demeaning. I mean, not really demeaning, but just like who, uh, again, like what woman refers to her boyfriend or lover as a little boy? I mean, unless that's an insult, where here it's not an insult. It's why did you leave me? Yeah. I would have rather stayed with you. And continued buying you unwanted jewelry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this was a kind of a skip for me. Yep. Then we have the fifth song uh-huh. and the fourth single, uh-huh. Take Me for a Ride, written by Taja Seville. I couldn't find a video for this one. Okay. So I don't have that to talk about. Gotcha. 
drums and bass again, a little bit Prince-ish. I uh-huh. thought it sounded like... Like super 80s, yeah, but yeah, very Prince-like. Synthesizers and keyboards to match, and it was bouncy and cheery and poppy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this one should have been further up in the single release. Yeah. I, I think because it was fun. It has fun rhymes. That day, other way, peculiar display. Uh-huh. Make um, you want to play. Uh-huh. Really fun. Mm-hmm. And, and then she says they're going to go for a ride in their submozine. Yeah. It's a cool, uh, it's I, a cool play on words. Like yeah, a, I'm like, it's their submarine limousine. It's an underwater Uber. Yeah, fancy <laughs> but style. It's a, yeah, but it's very fancy and right. very fun. Yes, I think that um, this had a repetitive chorus at the end. Like the last minute and a half was kind of repetitive. It's just almost like they were drawing the song out to hit a mark somehow. Mm. Um, but otherwise. I thought it was a decent song and decently performed. And yes, it sounds like an 80s song, but not in a bad way. Like, oh, this is so 80s. It's like, oh, that's like an 80s pop song. Yeah, it's fun. Mm -hmm. Please, pretty baby, take me for a ride. I thought it was really fun. She name checks herself. Uh Uh-huh. Tasha, please come out and play. Oh, and can we ride underneath the bay? He said. I'm like, oh, yeah, the su- in the submazine. Correct. That's very fun. And she does this, like, silly, squeaky vocalizing that I thought was, like, weird but enjoyable. <laughs> There's some whistling and... Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. This was kind of harmless fun, I would say. Exactly. Yeah. Then we have If I Could Get Your Attention. Uh, Prince recorded this one in May of 1986 with Taja contributing some additional lyrics, according to Prince Waltz, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Jill Jones had recorded a version of this, which is, we've talked about that before, and we've talked about Prince's version of this before. Maite also recorded a version of it. Right. Those little synth jabs. Mm Mm-hmm. So very 80s. Yeah. There we heard a lot in all kinds of sign of the times yeah. and related materials. We sure did. And but it's super fun. Definitely pinpoints it to late 80s. Yep. I don't know what is it about the song that no one can record and release a version that's more than like three minutes and 45 <laughs> seconds. They're all short. Yep. Including Prince's version that was recorded in um, like 2014, 2015 and released on Tidal. Mm-hmm. That's criminally short. Yes. Um, I think that if I went back and played Taja's version and Jill's version back to back, it might be hard to tell the difference between... They're two singing styles. They yeah. sound a little bit alike. They and do. And their delivery is a little bit alike, they too. They do. I, I did that, actually, today. Yeah. I listened to them back-to-back, and um, Jill Jones is singing a little bit higher. Oh, really? She sings a little bit higher than Tasha does. Okay. But, yes, I mean, they have a similar sort of sound. Yeah. Now that we've listened to both of them and, I you know, all the things that I liked about it. Back when we talked about it last summer, I still like about it. Seven kisses and all your pride is gone. Yeah. There's great guitar. It might have been a little bit loud in this version. Are you talking about the guitar solo? Yes. Like at two minutes and seven seconds. Okay. That is not Prince. Oh, no. No, that oh. is uh, Greg Porter. Oh, good job, Greg Porter. So that was my question was, why is there this version of the song 
that basically uses Prince's instrumentation but doesn't have a Prince guitar solo in it. Mm, what what was the logic there? I don't know. And then there's more guitar by Greg, Greg Porter at 3 minutes and 26 seconds through the fade out at the end. Yeah, this is the first song that I thought, man, I could use a little more of that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it is the shortest song so far. Uh Uh-huh. So that makes sense in a lot of different ways. (laughs) It's just so catchy and fun. It is. And then Prince slayed all the previous versions with his. Yeah. You know, the lyric that you mentioned, uh, seven kisses and all of your pride be gone. And Uh his, it's seven kisses and all of your cool be gone. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just way cooler. Yeah, it is way cooler, but it's still super fun. Yep. Then we have Infatuation. Another one written by Chico Bennett. Yeah. Um, Oh, goody, a song about an inappropriate relationship with a child. Oh, um, (laughs) you know, as much as I'm not a fan of songs fading out, this one has me asking myself if I should feel the same about songs fading in. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what this one does uh-huh. uh, with its 80s rock guitar and its big power drums. And it also reminded me a little bit of Automatic, not by Prince, but by the Pointer Sisters. Oh. I wouldn't listen to the Pointer Sisters Automatic to just figure out why I was hearing it. And I can still kind of hear why. Okay. She sings it so well. The chorus is fine and has these fun guitars behind it. I don't like the verses with this. Mm -hmm. I don't care that he's a child. Oh, by the way, he'll be 17 tomorrow. Uh I'm like, it's, it's squeaky. Yeah. It's really, and not the kind of thing that you typically hear from women. Again, right. written by Chico Bennett, yeah. but maybe not with the yeah, yeah. singer, the voice, mm-hmm. the storyteller's voice in mind. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, she was young. It was her first album. Yeah. Maybe she was she like, was okay. Like, oh, they wrote it for me. I'll sing it. Yeah. I also thought, you know, we're getting into the meat of the album now, and we've got these ballads, and then the kind of poppy 80s song, and then this thing that's a little more rock, and sometimes you listen to an album and you're like, oh man, there's something for everyone, and I'm starting to feel like these songs don't really hang together very well, they don't, I mean, it's also a self-titled album, so there's not a theme necessarily anyway, but they also, it just seems like I'm jumping from genre to genre and not because this is a proven artist who can knock it all out of the park. Right. Almost like the, just, there just wasn't a voice there. Well, and Taja's so, she's a prolific songwriter. She did a good job writing songs for Warner Brothers. Yeah. And here's a whole bunch of songs that she didn't write. Yeah. And if you're going to have a self-titled album, you yeah. better either have a really cohesive sound or write the songs. Yeah. I would have sl- all the songs that we've talked about so far that she wrote, I've enjoyed. Fair. Very fair. But speaking of songs that she did not write, the next song is Baby's Got a Lover. Another Chico Bennett song. It's a little too close to a lullaby. To say baby's got a lover. It's like they were trying something and it didn't work for me. I wrote down the word lullaby also. And also wrote down the words, yikes, what is it with these cheesy keyboards? Uh, It's like a lullaby, or at least it tries its best to put me to sleep within the first 30 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, the music... Does not match the lyrical content no. at all. And I know in many cases that's what makes a great song sometimes is the uh, juxtaposition between yeah. the messaging and the sound. And that's a lot of times what gets some songs on the radio that maybe shouldn't be because of their lyrical content. But here I just felt like it was almost, it wasn't intentional. 
I don't want to say that they didn't know what they were doing, but they didn't know what they were creating with these <laughs> things all stitched together the way they are in the tracking of this album. Well, and that's kind of why I thought like they were trying something. Sweet lullaby sounds, pretty sweetly sung mm-hmm. lyrics that are a little squeaky. Yeah. And it didn't work for me. Me either. <laughs> um, I listened to this as few times as possible so that I could speak intelligently about it uh-huh. for just a couple minutes here. Um, it's a short song, three minutes and three seconds, but doesn't have a drum track with it. Uh, has these kind of childlike keyboards mm-hmm. throughout that they get old even though the song is short. Mm-hmm. There was one noteworthy lyric. Please, let's hear it. When you hide what you feel, you're living a lie. When you hide what you feel, you're living a lie. Mm, okay. Like, okay. All that right. was one sight- insightful lyric All right. that I could o- be okay with. And she had another Mariah moment okay. with a long sustained note at 2 minutes and 34. I have no beef with her performance. Yeah. I just don't like the lyrical content. Well, that's less than I didn't like. I wasn't wild about the lyrics, and I really was not wild about the music. Okay. Then we have Mama 16, the B-side to Love is Contagious. They pulled something from the back of the album. Bang! Look at them stretching. (laughs) It was written by Taja and Paul Miller. Okay. I thought, you know, this is another drum synth-driven song that kind of fit into... Prince's mold a little bit here too, to a degree. The fact that it opens up with JJ's crying, I was like, who's JJ? Uh huh. Jill Jones. Oh. I'd have no idea. Yeah. It was just interesting. Yeah. She calls her little J, Lil J later. Uh huh. JJ's crying. Now JJ's flying. JJ's flying. I don't know. Mm hmm. Was just interesting. We um, did get some more of that rhythm guitar in the left channel that we heard in Popular oh, too. Mm-hmm. That was like the most successful thing in Popular. Yeah, we uh, get some of that here, which I enjoyed. And at a minute and three seconds in the chorus, um, I thought that this could definitely be a Prince lyric and music. With the chorus being Mama 16, what about your dreams? Crying baby ain't no fantasy. Mama 16, don't sell your dreams. Got to keep on trying to be free. Mm-hmm. Mama 16, what about your dreams? Crying baby ain't no fantasy. Mama 16, don't sell your dreams. keep on trying to be free. Could have been Prince song. Could have been Prince's it was, lyrics. It seemed a very timely sort of song. Yeah, like and I'm a, not saying it had to. These songs had to sound like Prince songs. No, no. But um, I'm just saying it was on his label, um, and he contributed. And these are songs that kind of fit the mold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it to talk about teen pregnancy. Yeah, was a big thing in the '80s. Yeah, there was a lot of pregnant teenagers in the 80s it was a epidemic if you listen to the late night news or whatever yes i guess maybe her dream was to be a singer Mm. uh lord she can't stop her rhyme Kind of what I thought. that makes sense yeah and it would have been probably too early for her to be a rapper yeah. In 1987, so I think maybe mm. a singer-songwriter sort of thing. But it's very uh, encouraging. Mm-hmm. Like, your dreams will only die if you give up on them. But, oh, by the way, don't neglect your baby. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you there on all that. Um, yeah. At 2 minutes and 24 seconds, there's a rhythm guitar that's super fast and funky mm-hmm. that I really liked a lot. I yeah, found I myself too. rewinding and listening to the music a little bit mm-hmm. extra. The electric guitar that comes just a little after that mm-hmm. um, is really 80s and a little noisy. 
wish it had been toned down a little bit. Too upfront for you? Yeah. Um, and I also gave it points for not fading out. Yeah, so get a this Mama 16. End. Yeah. And then the final song on the album, yeah. Fly for Your Painted Rainbow, written by Taja Seville. And I feel like this song was almost, could have been written for pride. Oh, Because yeah. it just is, a, you know, this like, nice anthem of, you know, being true to yourself and learning who you are. And I was like, what? Pride parades start well in 1970 on oh. the first anniversary of the Stonewall riots. Okay, and that's why Pride is in June. I did not know that. Yeah. Hey, that's a, those are great observations, uh, and that's all fine. I just felt like this sounded like a kindergarten graduation ceremony oh, song to me. No, I love this song. Really? I was like, I just oh. see like a bunch of six-year-olds on a tiny little cafeteria <gasps> stage. Nothing wrong that i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it i'm just saying i don't know that it belongs on an album about teenage pregnancy and prostitution and 10 percent pimp commissions oh i really loved what if all your life you never got to say i tried it on i let my feelings flow slid on top of my cloud i tried and now i know Like, you can change and be different, but try on all the different clothes that you might like to wear Mm. in your life about who you are so you can really decide and know whom you are. I loved it. I don't disagree with any of the things you're saying, and Mm -hmm. the messaging is great. I just thought it came off as very contrived and... Uh, like these words are shoved together, fly for your painted rainbow just seems very, I don't know, like forced poetry to me. I could not disagree more. Well, okay. But, okay, that's fine. And even the keep on in the background at the end kind of feels like a LGBTQ plus. Yeah. Sort uh, of get, chant, yeah, like don't give up, keep on. It's hard now, but be you and it'll all work out. That's fine. Then we have a couple, uh, no, we have three versions of Wouldn't You Love to Love Me, correct. The first one we're going to talk about was the B-side to Take Me for a Ride. Mm-hmm. File you gave me said the Joe Blaney 12-inch uh-huh. vocal remix. Right. But when I found it for posting on social media, so there's YouTube, and it's got the record as the picture, okay. and it's the Jelly Bean 12-inch vocal remix. Mm, I thought that there was more than one. No, well... I made sure that this was the same one that was in that video, and it was called the Jelly Bean 12-inch vocal remix. Interesting, because I went and did all this research on who Joe Blaney was. Well, tell us about who Joe Blaney was. Joe Blaney um, was an engineer, and one of his first recording jobs was for The Clash. Hmm. Um, He uh, recorded and engineered Rock the Casbah, and Should I Stay or Should I Go, and Straight to Hell. Um, he also worked with Prince, um, recording and mixing most of Love Sexy and some of the songs for the Black Album. So I'm very surprised that I saw that there was a Jelly Bean version that did not think that that was the one that we were listening to. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Don't I sound prepared for the podcast? <laughs> you did the research of who Joe Blaney was. I didn't. When I saw I'm like, oh, Jelly Bean. Okay, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> So at least now we know. I mean, and it could be both. Both could be. Well, no matter what, there's a a variety of mixes of this. We know Joe Blaney had something to do with at least one of them. We're going to talk about 
a couple mixes and then Princess version. Yep. The rhythm guitar is pulled up in this mix. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. In a good way. Yeah. yeah. This is um, definitely an improvement mm-hmm. on the album version. I, I would me. agree. Drums and synthesizers and echoey vocals. Uh-huh. And there's this deeper voice that's layered under parts of it. Especially at the crash burn fire part, mm-hmm. there's some like deeper vocals under there, and it's not Prince. I don't know who yeah. it is though. Crash, he loves me. Um, I don't either, but I did hear them, and it sounded like a male's voice to me. And Eric Leeds' uh, sax is more is pretty prominent throughout all of this too, mm-hmm. um, and mixed kind of louder to my ear as well. Yes, and there's a spot where Taja's vocalizing over that, and it feels very Prince inspired. It sounds yeah. very much like what he was doing at this time. Exactly. Stolen all my notes. <laughs> There's a wind chime that I thought was kind of fun. Oh. I did not hear the wind chime. No, well, you will. Okay. <laughs> Six minutes and 23 seconds, we get this tribal drum breakdown through the end of the song, which was mm-hmm. an interesting twist. Yeah. Then we have the Wouldn't You Love to Love Me Paisley Park mix. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's guitars that are underneath her vocalizing at the beginning of this. It feels so Prince. I would, so good. I would bet you a lot of money that yep. um, the rhythm guitar throughout, that you can really hear from 5 seconds to 22 seconds, mm-hmm. definitely sounds like Prince's guitar playing. Yep. Repetitive throughout the whole song, but works really well, especially mm-hmm. on a remix. Yes. Um, there's also a muted guitar solo that I believe is also Prince um, from four minutes and nine seconds to four minutes and 17 seconds. Okay, I wrote down. I'd be willing to bet an amount of money that would hurt to lose that that's Prince playing oh, the guitar. There you go. Also from 5 minutes and 36 seconds to 5 minutes and 50 seconds, more muted guitar playing and synthesizers that just are Prince hallmarks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The deeper vocals that aren't Prince are uh, a little more prominent in this one. They start earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an airplane crash. Crash, burn, fire. Uh-huh. You know how Prince likes to yeah. take some of his lyrics very literally uh-huh. at yeah. some points. Yeah, yeah. 308, there's a airplane sound. Maybe right. it's crashing. Yeah. But I thought that one was pretty fun. Me too. I yeah. enjoyed that one a lot. Then we have the last song. The final thing we're going to cover, Wouldn't You Love to Love Me? Prince's version. Yeah, earlier than the version on Originals. It was mm-hmm. recorded in summer of 1978. Okay. Um, this one has what I called a bossa nova drumline and a signature Prince falsetto vocals from mm-hmm. this time period. Yeah, very uh, dirty mind sounding to me. Yeah, very simple and repetitive, but also very soulful and enjoyable mm-hmm. and much less of a blast than the version on originals, which was kind of like this explosion yeah. of energy. And this is much more subdued 
and simple and, you know, prince shy. Yes. I guess you could say. Uh, a little, a little disco-y, like if I was going to pinpoint a time where, you know, you could kind of say this sounds like a late disco era song mm-hmm. um, for Prince's music. This definitely has signature sounds of the times. Mm-hmm. For sure. There's a little few additional lyrics. Mm-hmm. I'm really not that hard to get. I yeah. only want to make you see, baby, I'm not re- ready yet to give you every part of me. Liked that. And then we get a little insight. Maybe this was kind of always intended for a woman because there's some lyrics that got left out of Tasha's version that say, I know I can please you until your rocks are gone. Just a little like dirty and yeah. But maybe always intended for a woman. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. Yeah, I thought it would be fun to throw that one in here since we've talked about the version on originals and then we've got uh, Jill's version and... Uh, no, Tasha's version. Yes. Mm-hmm. Had a couple remixes of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. There's some fun harmonizing. Really groovy bass guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like falsetto-y do-do-do-do-do, uh-huh. which yeah. is kind of nice. Yeah, it's fun. All right, so that's all the music that we're going to talk about. That's it. So we have selections to make. We choose three things. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. Good luck with that. Uh, The sea, the low point, the thing that we liked the least, and the mountain, the one that we like the most. All right. These are my dumb rules. I go first. Yep. The time capsule for me was the Paisley Park mix of When You Love to Love Me, just because it sounds so much like what Prince was doing mm-hmm. in 1987, rather than the album at large, which all sounded like 1987. <laughs> Very good reasoning. I struggled with this one, too. I know you said yeah. that you did. Um, yes. I went with Love is Contagious because uh-huh. everything I read about Taja Seville said this is the song that she's most well-known for. Yep. And um, so I, who am I to disagree? If it's what she's most well-known for on uh, her debut album, first single, first track, uh-huh. um, then I'll hand it to Love is Contagious. Okay. That's great reasoning. The C, oh, lyrics by Chico Bennett. Oh. <laughs> because they have aged poorly. I, Poor Chico. Many of those songs, yeah. I thought she did a perfectly fine job singing them in some cases the music was fine Mm -hmm. but the lyrics i had issues with and just maybe because they weren't geared towards a female singer yeah and that there were so many of them written by him when i would have really liked more songs i would have delayed the album a little (laughs) longer and have songs by tasha yeah fair enough I agree. With an eponymous album. Right. What was your um, C? My C is also not a single song. It's the ballad barrage that invades <laughs> every corner of this album. And I'll list them. Sorry, I know you don't agree completely. Love is Contagious. How Could You Do Me So Bad? Baby's Gotta Love Her. And I'm sorry, but also Fly For Your Painted Rainbow mm. that I felt seemed very forced and made me also question, who who is this album targeting who who's like i don't know it's almost like they're trying to do something for everyone and made an album that no one could enjoy from start to finish as a result yeah that's fair and then the mountain i struggled did you i almost picked fly for your painted rainbows because i really like that song and it's june 
and but uh-huh. I had to go with if I could get your attention just because it was the one that made me the happiest when I came on. Oh, all right. So, well, my mountain is the other Prince penned song. Wouldn't you love to love me? Um, I thought it was a nice fit for her voice. And to hear more of the saxophone by Eric Leeds in there, even though he's uncredited, I thought was nice, um, and I enjoyed it. I liked it a little bit better than if I could get your attention because I'm spoiled by Prince's version, mm, which claims yeah. every other version recorded it by does, these women singers. It does, but I like all versions of it. So do you? Yeah, I do. I'm not such a wild fan of the whooshy you know, sound effect that's prominent uh-huh. throughout all of it. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a little distracting for me. So I went okay. with, wouldn't you love to love me? Okay. Do, 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 do. So for nearly a year now, I've known exactly what we were going to talk about. To a degree. It's, to a degree. It's been a long time since you've really surprised me with what we're going to talk about next. But I'd really like to know, what are we going to talk about next, Josh? Well, you're going to be really surprised to know that it is a remix EP mm. of Fly for Your Painted Rainbow. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Liar. Um, we are in a little short period here between finishing Sign of the Times discussion and when we want to reserve space to discuss Welcome to America, mm-hmm. the Vault album that's coming out on July 30th. So doing the math, we've got three episodes between now and when we'll be discussing Welcome to America. So we're going to tackle the Chocolate Invasion, Ooh, the Slaughterhouse, and then additional tracks released during the 2001-2002 edition of the NPG Music Club. So these are odd compilation albums. They were released in 2004 but comprised entirely of MPG Music Club tracks that were released in 2001-2002. So we're going to call it a 2001-2002 era, even though these albums were officially released in 2004. Like I said, they're compilations of songs released three years before. Some tracks are in slightly different embellished extended forms from their original club releases, but to me, they still fit. They all were recorded in like 99 through 2001, so we're going to call it that. The first uh, album that we'll cover in the next uh, episode is The Chocolate Invasion. Super cool. Super cool. I can't wait. Be a different sort of time period entirely. Very much so. So... Excellent. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it when you've taken the time to listen to us. We hope that you've enjoyed our long coverage of Sign of the Times as much as we have, and we look forward to uh, new things. We hope that you'll tell a friend because it's more fun when you can listen with a friend. And until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for joining us. It's She sings it so well, and the guitar... The guitarist? That's not what I meant to say.